Hello and welcome to this week's ISBA BursaCast. This episode is for the 8th of December and features the latest operational and regulatory issues impacting on independent schools today. If you have a question, please let us know by contacting office at the isba.org.uk. This episode has been recorded and released on the morning of the 9th of December, and this week is a little bit different to previous episodes, and you'll find out why very soon. So without further ado, I will jump straight into the episode where you'll hear from me and perhaps a regular guest for the BursaCast. So here we are. So today we're going for a little bit of a different approach to the BursaCast. We're going to be having John Murphy with us to talk through the weekly bulletin and offer some insight on all the updates that are going on. So thanks for being here, John. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, Leo. It's uh, good to good to see you and good to be able to talk about these things because we've got one or two things this week which, um, yeah, are going to cause complications over the next couple of weeks um, whilst schools are on holiday, but more importantly for the start of the next term. Yeah, absolutely. With all the sort of goings on with VAT happening and people getting flu a little bit sooner, there's lots to kind of dive into. So first things first on our list is details of this Strep A and Scarlet Fever update. What should people be thinking about about this? Really a return to some of the basic hygiene precautions that were in place during COVID. Um, Obviously, these diseases, Scarlet Fever particularly, are reportable diseases, uh, and that has its own Um, responsibilities for schools. The UK Health Security Agency has got a lot on its website about it, and that's in the note as well. But schools need to be very careful about looking out for symptoms in children um, and hoping that you can isolate them and send them home as required, but also uh, really just getting the basic bits of hygiene right as as COVID, to be absolutely honest. I mean, we had this absolutely taped um, during the pandemic, so this really is a bit of a return to that. Um, but with a bit of a twist in that this is as transmissible. Um, it certainly has an effect on children more so than COVID, I think, ever did. COVID tended to go after older people. It's something that's not welcome at any time of year, particularly when it's cold. But we've got a, a risk assessment, which you can use to work out what the school's precautions should be. Um, and we will keep you posted as new information comes uh, comes out from the Department of Health and the Department for Education. Yeah, it's it's not something that's massively common i think if a child has scarlet fever they are very very unwell it's not a matter of having just a sore throat so it's you know something to monitor uh next thing is the economic impact of independent schools now recently there's obviously been a lot in parliament and the news about vat and charitable status and all these sort of things what do we actually need to know at this stage well what you've heard from the labor party and anybody else who's decided to leap on that particular bandwagon is one side of the story What the Oxford Economics Report does, the economic impact of independent schools is the title. What it does is lays out what the schools actually do for the exchequer generally. And you'll be able to see that schools affiliated to the Independent Schools Council made £14.1 billion contributions to the UK economy. That's not a small amount of money when you think about it being equivalent to three quarters of 1% of the total GDP in the year that it was measured in. So it's it's no small thing. Uh, But of course... Uh, Those that are willing to knock the sector never give both sides of the argument. So this is our way of putting the the other side. And there's some very good detail in it. And it's from a source which is not considered to be lobbying. It is trusted by both sides. Oxford Economics are a well-renowned firm. So um, it is information that can be used and will be used over the next two or three years, I'm sure. Yeah, because the the numbers are 
positive for independent schools. There's a lot of money that's generated for uh, the taxpayer and for government. Well, so it's... Yeah, and not least the fact that 4.4 billion is saved to the taxpayer by children going to independent schools, because otherwise they'd be expected to take up a place in the state sector. So even that on its own is, is a good old amount of money, isn't it? It's not as close as, it's not up with 16, which is the total amount generated, but 4.4 billion is a reasonable chunk. Yeah, and essentially none of this is there to discuss the charitable status, which is a complete other side of the equation um, and is a bit more of a complicated matter. But no doubt there'll be guidance about that upcoming. There will. And it's a very complicated thing. It's one of these things that trips off the tongue when you know nothing about the subject. Yes, it would be easy to do, says the commentator. But actually, when you start to dig into the detail, it is much more complex. So we'll have to see what the exam question actually is before we can start producing guidance on it. Yeah, I think independent schools vary so much in their well, everything, you know, size, yep. whatever. Uh, so next thing is the scenario planning. Uh, and The ISBA is offering a modelling template. What is this and how can it be used? And sort of what's it used for? What is it? Well, the, the thing about threats and risk to businesses is you've got to be able to work out what you can do to prepare for this event arriving and what you can do in the aftermath of it. And there have been so many flung at schools of a possibly permanent nature with the Labour Party's um, stance on how the sh- schools should be taxed and with the economy and of course the, um, the rates of inflation we're not enjoying at the moment and the interest rates that follow it. So there's a set of transient or changing effects which are the economic ones for the moment and then there's a set of what may be permanent ones as well. So what this scenario planning template allows school to do is to decide which of these of each of these effects has um, what effect at what moment I'm, I'm not putting that particularly well but you can decide whether it's going to be optimistic pessimistic or somewhere in the middle and then plan a uh, scenario plan through the next two or three years using those assumptions um, so it just gives a quickish and easyish way of doing that it includes a balance sheet so you can have a look and see where the school ends up uh, perhaps at the year end that you could um, you could make some assumptions about so it's a very useful piece of work because it brings or begins to bring into focus some of these very worrying stories that are circulating at the moment and being given legs by any member of the press who want, who wants to have a little bit of a pop at the independent sector. Yeah, okay, sure. And this is a living document that can be sort of maintained and kept and changed as things well, change. We have, we have purpose, purposely called it edition one okay. uh, because we see this changing probably on a two-monthly basis as either some macroeconomic factor changes or we see different policies beginning to emerge uh, either from the current government or, or from any future government. Sure. And then a familiar face on the Burstcast updates is the National Cybersecurity Centre with their <laughs> updates about scams and frauds. What is sort of the latest thing happening with them that we should know about? Well, it's interesting. We've, we've had a number of email accounts hacked in various schools and then nothing much has happened. But it's now beginning to become apparent that the hackers are waiting for the business cycle in the school to produce uh, the end of term invoices for parents, because they're usually emailed out. And those, in some cases, are being diverted. A discount is being offered, obviously a false uh, bank account, and the money is being taken instead of going to the school, it's being taken by the hacker. Mm -hmm. So in other words, it's a, a thoughtful, determined and patient way of, of achieving diverted funds from schools. So uh, we've had a couple of reports of this, and obviously the NCSC um, have got uh, a number of other reports, and we've outlined what they've done in, in that piece in, in the bulletin. Um, but really, it's just a case of staying right on top of this with 
all the countermeasures that you will have in place in a school, the, the security patches, staff training, and also making it clear to parents that uh, unless you tell the parents by a prearranged method that you're going to change bank account details, those will not be changed. Any change will be some form of hack. Yeah, sure. So remaining vigilant, diligent, and you know, if something doesn't feel right, then check it and check it again. So that's all good information. Now, we're going to move now on to one of the favourite parts of the podcast, uh, the advice and guidance, queries and answers, uh, <laughs> the top three for this week. And we're going to add a bit of pizzazz to this week where I'm going to ask you the questions and you can offer us the answers. So we're going to start number one. When was it that chairs of governors had to be approved or registered with the SOS for education? Yeah, the Secretary of State needed to know about chairs of governors uh, from the 1st of September 2003. So there is a routine to be gone through. There's a recruitment check in paragraph 528 on page 95 of the ISI commentary. I happen to know that because people ask it so frequently, but it, it, it is there. And we also have a very useful contact in the department itself uh, as a lady who will help shepherd these um, um, recruitment checks through for chairs of governors. Sure. And so next question is, my query relates to your template recruitment privacy notice, which forms part of the safer recruitment template pack. We spotted that tables one and two in the privacy notice don't cover how the health questionnaire data is handled. Given the sensitive nature of this information, it seems essential to cover it and to do so carefully. Could you please provide some guidance on this area? This is um, one where the, the answer is long, but the principle is short. Um, anybody who lodges um, information with you of a sensitive nature, so category three uh, data under GDPR, uh, needs to have it properly protected. Now, schools often forget that candidates who apply for jobs, once they make the application or are in the process of making the application, come under the school rules for GDPR. So it's health information that, be, that would be handled as for any other employee i.e. properly, correctly, privately, and then disposed of once no longer required. So there's a staff privacy notice. Um, the matter is within the recruitment pack privacy notice as well. But the overall principle is very straightforward. It's sensitive information. Treat it as though it was one of your employees, albeit at the moment that person is only a candidate. Okay, sure. That's good to know. And then are you able to offer any advice on how we deal with staff email accounts after they leave? Are we, are we required to keep these for safeguarding reasons? What is best practice? There is a number of ways of referring to this in best practice. We've got data retention guidance in the library, so that's the first place to go. Basically, it recommends that routine deletion of emails every two or three years is worth doing for those still with the school and getting rid of an email account after one year after leaving. Um, is perhaps the best way to go. But it's up to schools to make up their own policies on this. That's just some uh, ideas that we've had from practical uh, experience in previous schools. The one exception to that, of course, is if there's anything in an email account that refers to uh, any allegation either proved or under investigation of, of child abuse, then that data would have to be kept for a much longer time. 75 years is now the, the norm for that. Okay, sure. That's good to know. And finally, and I'm very excited that you get to be the one to deliver this. What is our top tip of the week? Top tip of the week? <laughs> um, I think it is to have a swift run through the slides from the Bradford Grammar School um, Strategy Day that we ran on Monday. We're going to be doing these more of these next term. 
Um, but I think five minutes with a cup of coffee, going through those slides just to pick up any ideas um, that you, if you couldn't be there, that you may have missed and will help shape the strategy for the school. Sure, that's fantastic. And John, I'll, I'll let you shoot off there because next up will just be a lot of announcements that are coming up that I shall spare you from and, <laughs> deliver it, and I'll deliver it myself. But that is fantastic. Thank you so much for joining me. It's been great to have you on the BursaCast and hopefully we'll see you again soon. Look forward to that. Thank you, Leo. And thank you again to John for joining me today. Now, as mentioned, there will be a few announcements now, as there always are, just going over some of the things happening within the ISBA going forward. So, first of all, the the ISBA Professional Development Programme continues with face-to-face conferences. The first of these will be a mock tribunal, which will take place on Tuesday, the 24th of January, at BMA House in London, and a finance conference on Tuesday, the 7th of February, 2023, also at BMA House in London. No doubt we'll be talking a little bit about them closer to the time. Jumping forward to look at our webinars, the first three we have coming up are taking place on Tuesdays and Fridays. These will be 60 minutes in duration and will be free of charge unless otherwise stated. The first of these is on the 13th of January 2023, conducting pupil and staff investigations in schools the 17th of January 2023, UK VI sponsor licences, avoiding pitfalls when schools merge, and 20th of January 2023, business rates, preparing for 2023 revaluation. And finally, I'll give you one extra one, 31st of January 2023, biodiversity net gain now and beyond 2023. Looking at our Safer Online Recruitment course, this is now available to book via a link in the ISBA directory, and the course will be approximately three hours to complete, will include an online invigilated assessment, and can be taken at your own pace. It's suitable for all staff who are involved in the recruitment and selection of staff in schools, and as I said, it is now available to book on the ISBA website. And the other thing coming up is the ISBA Annual Conference for 2023 which is a date you no doubt all have penned in your diary, but to remind you, it is the 23rd to the 25th of May inclusive at Manchester Central Convention Complex. In other news, Allman Hall and ACS Hillingdon have a catering forum and lunch. They are inviting catering managers to a special forum and lunch on the 19th of January 2023. And the final thing to note is the ISBA business directory, which we want to remind you of, which is a directory in the ISBA reference library, which allows schools to search for specialist suppliers across the UK quickly and easily. And the absolute final thing I'll say on this is the latest reference library updates are the ISC economic impact of independent schools update, BSA guidance on strep A and scarlet fever, Slides from ISBA's Strategy Day on the 5th of December. Strep A and Scarlet Fever considerations for schools. Maintaining a record of disciplinary matters. Reaching decisions based on previous misbehaviour. And taking account of previous written warnings for pupils. Keeping Children Safe in Education 2022. Safer Recruitment. The Use of Online Searches and Social Media. And ISBA Weekly Bulletin 10. And that brings this episode to a close. Thank you so much for listening. 
and we'll catch you next week for another BursaCast to bring you all the latest information from the sector. As always, please do subscribe where you're listening so you never miss an update. If you'd like to suggest something or just say hi, please do email podcast at theisba.org.uk. Till next time, farewell. Farewell.